So we've been saying God has been realigning his church. One of the messages in the last few weeks, I gave you those seven words of prophecy. If you, if you didn't get those, you need to find that tape and, and get those seven words. And, and we've been trying to get that out because it's not just for our church. It's for as many churches that will, that will hear it and listen to it. But God is realigning the church, and every pastor I've talked to has, has agreed. It's completely different. And, and we may, it may not be good different for some and bad for others, difficult for some. some are, a lot of them are still struggling, but they know they've got to change. I believe the end is near. <laughs> We've never faced such things as we're facing now, as I'll, I'll get to in a little bit. But here, here's what the Lord is basically saying that worship has, has become a parade for a lot of churches. And God is just saying, maybe it's time to turn the music down and let's turn, let's turn the church back into a house of prayer. So watch this story. You know the story. Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. A little bit of the background on that. He's coming from Jericho. They're, they're coming across a couple days' journey. And what we don't realize is as he's coming, he's not, when the parade happens, it doesn't happen in Jerusalem. It happens just outside Jerusalem. So the people in the parade, because I often wonder, because this is, according to Mark, this is the first time that Jesus has been to Jerusalem. His ministry has been mostly in Galilee. Are you hearing me? So, so he's not been to Jerusalem. He's not preached. He's not performed miracles in, in Jerusalem. But he's approaching Jerusalem. And it said when he came out of Jericho, a multitude followed him. Now, I don't know how multitude goes like, you know, for days. But they went on for a couple days from Jericho to Jerusalem. This crowd outside of Jerusalem is mostly hmm, followers. And maybe some people from Jerusalem who heard, but remember the question was asked, what is this? What is going on? Remember, there's, there's, this is Passover. There's tens of thousands of visitors coming into Jerusalem. And they said, what is this ruckus? King of the Jews. This is, this is rebellion. This, this is big stuff. Most of these people were followers. Very few of them were disciples. And I think we're living in a church world where we've got followers, but very few disciples. We're not making disciples anymore. We're just making pew warmers. And it's okay to just come and hide out in church. You say, Pastor, why aren't we running a thousand? I just said it. I mean, if you want to run a 1,000, I think I know how to do it. Well, you're not going to like it. We have an expectation out there. It's, it's not a demand. It's not a rule. It's not a law. But we have an expectation that if you come to Journey Life Center, you have decided to join your journey. <laughs> you have decided to find your destiny and be who God has called you to be, not just come to church and hide out and feel good and leave. This is going to be a rough sermon. 
One preach, that's all I got. I, I mentioned that part of this message, and this only happened, this happens maybe once a year, sometimes never, sometimes once every other year, but I actually dreamed me preaching this message. And when I woke up, I mean, not, I mean, word for word parts of this, just. And these are the kind of messages where you're probably not going to run and shout. (laughs) But it is from the Lord if you'll hear what I'm about to say. And if you can get this word out, I think it'll help other churches and other pastors as well. So they're crying out for Jesus to be king. But they didn't even understand what kind of king he was meant to be. And they didn't understand what his kingdom would look like. And there are people today that don't understand what church is all about. And church has become entertainment. Church has become just community. And it is community, but how many know it's not just community? One person said that the church today has just become just just some kind of club with a chapel on Sunday morning. And we need to be way more than that. Jesus said, make what? Make disciples. So let's, let's, let's look at this. And by the way, Jesus as a Galilean, you may not appreciate this, but Jews, Jews had this hierarchy, right? And if you were from Jerusalem, you were really a Jew. But if you were from Galilee, you were like second-class Jew. So Jesus was already being looked down. He had never been to Jerusalem yet. And I want you to notice this too. There was only one miracle recorded while he's there. Nobody got healed. Nobody raised from the dead. Are you hearing me? What was the one miracle? I'm getting ahead of myself. The tree gets cursed. (laughs) You think that's a coincidence? I'll get to that in a minute. Mark chapter 11, verse 1. We've got to read the story. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem Jerusalem to Bethphage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, said to them, go into the village opposite. As soon as you have entered, you'll find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. Uh Uh-huh. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it. Immediately he will send it here. So they went their way, found the colt tied by the door outside on the street, and they loosed it. That's another whole sermon. But some of them who stood there said to them, what are you doing loosing the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded, so they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus. The disciples threw their clothes on. How many know we need to put our clothes on? on this thing if we want the presence and he sat on it he sits on the praises of his people and many spread their clothes on the road and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road then those who went before and those who followed cried saying hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord Mm -hmm. blessed is the kingdom of our father david that comes in the name of the lord hosanna in the highest See, kingdom, David, this is a political thing. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, I mean, no, it's late, he went out to Bethany 
with the 12. So five phases here real quick. Phase one is, is the parade. I'm not going to spend any more time there. The second phase is this verse 11. And verse 11 says, he went into the temple and looked around. Months ago, God gave this scripture popped out. How many times? I probably read the gospel of Mark a hundred times. This, this popped out. He went into the temple and did nothing but look around. Not as a tourist. Not as a tourist. He was, actually, he was there when he was 12 years old. But as an adult, he's never been there. So, at, so he's not, he, listen, why don't you catch this? He didn't, go, he didn't look around as a tourist would. He's looking around as reconnaissance. And the Holy Spirit quickened my spirit and said, that's exactly what he's been doing for two years. He's been reconnoitering, reconnoitur, doing reconnaissance of the church. He's literally been quiet. He didn't send the pandemic, but he's certainly using it. And he's walking the churches. And I don't think he likes what he's. And he's saying the time is short. The hour is late. And we need to do something radical. Radical. In these last days. Wow. I think he's come to some conclusions. Phase three, he leaves the city. There's obviously no place to stay in Jerusalem. Tens of thousands of people are there. He, he spends the night in Bethany, about two miles away. They, they come out of the city. But on the way out of the city, they spot the fig tree. It has leaves. It has no fruit. It's the time of year that it's not supposed to have fruit. Did you hear that? wasn't supposed to. Some people say God, Jesus was just really hungry. <laughs> he was coming. <laughs> now, <laughs> he had just eaten. Read the scriptures. <laughs> you know, he wasn't starving. Look, he looked. This is weird. He looked at the fig tree. It has leaves. It looks, it looks, say it looks, it looks healthy but there's no fruit on it, but there's not supposed to be fruit on it for another two months. But he curses the tree. He says, die. <laughs> if I were the tree, I'd say, whoa, I'm not supposed to have figs. If you'll just give me a little more time, well, why, why would he do this? Now, you know, look at an apple tree, right? The leaves come first, then a flower. You got me? The flower turns into a little, little bitty apple, and the apple grows. It falls to the ground. The reason it falls to the ground is not so it makes it easier for you to pick. It falls to the ground in the hope that another tree will, will come up, right? That's, that's how it happens. 
real fruit in the body of Christ is not just you bearing apples, it's you making more apple trees. All right, 10 people got that. The real fruit of an apple tree is more apple trees. Getting apples is addition. Making more trees is multiplication. And that's what God's after. That's why he said make disciples, not converts. Are you okay so far? Sometimes I just got to slow down. I'm going back to my dream. Make sure. I want to make sure I'm, I, I, I want you to follow this. Why did he curse it? He comes back in the morning, and it's dead. And, and the disciples are like, whoa, don't mess with Jesus. <laughs> Do not make him mad. He's in one of those moods. That's the only miracle he performs. Maybe because of the lack of faith, but also he's just, I mean, this must have had a reason. The temple visit, the fruit, and then the next verses on prayer, they have got to be connected some way. There's got to be a reason Mark put these things together, right? So leaves, leaves are, watch this, leaves promise fruit, The leaves are the promise that fruit will come. When you see the leaves, you think, well, the tree's healthy. When it's supposed to bear fruit, it'll bear fruit. And and a lot of times we as pastors, we we, we know we go through seasons. But I'm not talking about seasons here. Why did Jesus curse it? And here it is. I think Jesus cursed it because he expects supernatural fruit. Too many churches are working within their own abilities and their own power and their own manipulations and they really think their smoke machines and skinny jeans are going to draw people and change lives. And if we could just get the music they like, and if we could just, you know, take care of their kids so, so they don't have to put up with their bread, I mean, their children during church. And, and if we could just do, if we just had the right programs and we just did everything, you know, and, and here it is. We've got too many churches making promises that never come true. We've got churches with all kinds of leaves making all kinds of promises but jesus is saying the church is supposed to bear fruit supernaturally not through some process program budget or man's manipulation it's supposed to happen supernaturally What God, can I prove, what God's done over the last two years had nothing to do with us. It is a supernatural move of the Holy Ghost. We're bearing figs when there should only be leaves. We're bearing fruit where there should only be promises of fruit. How many pastors get in the pulpit every day? I tell you, it's going to get better, church. And it never does. It's time to understand what God is up to. He's wanting supernatural. And I think, I hate to say it like this, but I think a lot of churches are going to die. And they are dying. Before COVID, 1,500 a month were dying. Nobody knows how many are closing now. 
Jesus is saying the church is all promises. He's calling us to pick fruit out of season. Jesus. Phase four. He goes back to the temple the next day. And you know, he's on the verge of needing anger management. He's whipping. He's kicking over tables. He's crashing the, I like this. He crashed the, it mentions this of all the animals. It said he he broke the cages that the doves were in. A lot of churches, they got the Holy Ghost, but it's in a cage. Come on, we believe in the Holy Ghost, but everything decently and in order. So let's keep the Holy Ghost in this little cage and everyone can come see him. Don't you just love that pretty dove? I love the dove. <laughs> Some of them got on their signs, they got fire and doves, and you come into church and it's nothing there. No doves, no fire. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? He kicked open the cages. Let the Holy Ghost do what the Holy Ghost needs to do in the church. Amen. How many know we are open? God, whatever you want to do, we're not going to question it and we're not going to hinder it. We're not going to hold it back. We're not going to restrict it. Holy Ghost, just be the Holy Ghost. And whatever needs to be done, let it be done. He'll stop a service for one person. That's weird. God will do weird, strange things sometimes. I don't care. I don't measure your response by God's power. He's kicking over tables. And I want you to catch this. Why did he do it? He wasn't so much upset at what they were doing as much as where they were doing it. There's really, really what they were doing was needed. Church, some of the things we do as a church are needed, but if we do it the wrong way at the wrong time, it restricts the Holy Ghost. They did it for years, but not in the court of the Gentiles. Oh, are you sure? People say, well, they were ripping people off. I don't, I don't know that that was the issue. I'm sure some were. But that's not what he was upset about. It was a needed thing because people were coming from all over the empire and the Jews, the priests could not accept Roman coins or Greek coins or, or, uh, you know, uh, Cyrenian coins or whatever, wherever they're Egyptian. So they had to transfer the money into Jewish money so they could buy the animal. They, you know what I'm saying? And I'm sure some people ripped them off, but that's not what Jesus was complaining about. It's where they did it. And he talks about walk. Let's read the scripture. Where is it? Verse 15, 17. So they came to, so they came to Jerusalem. Jesus went to them and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. So they're, you know, they're like, Jesus is like, credit. Knock their boxes over. I don't want you carrying anything 
through the temple. Is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it, made it a den of thieves. And when it says den of thieves, right away we think, well, he's just upset because they're ripping people off. No. He doesn't care about buying and selling. He doesn't care about that. Here's what he cares about. This carrying burdens and where it was done. It was done in the court of the Gentiles. It's the part of the temple where the world can come. Listen, part of our church is the part of the church that meets the world. And this is exactly where churches, where they've become so secret sensitive and they've become uh, in, in such a way that they say, we've got to win people and we've got to become like them. And understand we've got to speak their language and all that stuff. Uh, you know, I get it. I don't believe we should be churchy and all that stuff. Let's be down to earth. I understand that. But at the same time, we're not going to win them by being them. We're not going to win them with worldly tactics. We have to be the church. If we're not the church, why are, what are they changing to become? If we're acting like them, why should they act like us? Actually, they are acting like us. Carrying burdens. There's a place, the place of ministry is not about what we, what we do. It's about what he does. And God's saying, quit carrying your burdens through the church. Lay your burdens down, for my burden is easy and my burden is light. We cannot be church or do church by carrying it on our shoulders. Remember David. You, actually, you do carry it on your shoulders. I'm talking about that ox cart. We can't bring it in on the carts of the world. We must put... Jesus was not trying to reform the church. He was judging the church. He was tearing it down. And did he not say right after that, God's going to tear this temple down? That's really what ticked the priests off. And 70 years later, that's exactly what happened. Every brick was torn down on that temple. He, you know what he was doing? He wasn't reforming the church. He was saying, I'm done with it. I'm done with it. That's what he's doing now. I want, I want you to hear this. This carrying burdens. In other words, what he was saying, he was sick and tired of people who make shortcuts to worship. Shortcuts to worship. Let's make worship comfortable. Let's make worship easy. Worship is the abandonment of all that we are and all that we do and bowing down and submitting. It's not about singing the right song and making you feel emotionally safe. I got news for you. Church might not be a safe place. Ask Ananias and Sapphira. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yet we're doing everything we can to, 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 to 
to allow people to have shortcuts to worship. He says, you've made it a den of thieves. What he's saying is, you've stolen my glory. And you've taken it for yourself. And it's by your works that people are coming in. And it's not because of the miraculous power of God. Jeremiah chapter 7 verse 8 talks about this. Are you still with me? He says, this is from the message, get smart. Your leaders are handing you a pack of lies, and you're swallowing them. Use your heads. Do you think you could rob and murder, have sex with the neighborhood wives, tell lies nonstop, worship the local gods, and buy every novel religious commodity on the market? And then march into this temple set apart for my worship and say we're safe? thinking that the place itself gives you a license to go on with all this outrageous sacrilege, a cave full of criminals. Do you think you could turn this temple set apart for my worship into something like that? Well, think again. I've got my eyes in my head. I can see what's going on. God's decree. Thank you, Jeremiah. How many think Jesus thought about that verse? Isaiah 56, verse Six. As for the outsiders who now follow me, working for me, loving my name, and wanting to be my servants, all who keep Sabbath and don't defile it, holding fast to my holding fast to my covenant, mm-hmm, I'll bring them into my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of. They'll be welcome to worship the same as the insiders to bring burnt offerings and sacrifices to my altar oh yes my house of worship will be known as a house of prayer for say that means me because i'm not a jew the decree of the master god himself who gathers in the exiles of israel i will gather others also gather them in with those already gathered There's a place where everybody can come and worship God. But we must not make it a place of our own efforts. It must be a place of the miraculous power of the released doves doing the work that God. Only God can save a soul. Only God can change a mind. Only God can change a life. It's not that we have no part, but we must not take the glory. Wow. They, the money exchangers were just there to convenience the worshipers. They've commercialized the gospel. They've repurposed the missional wing of the temple. Too many churches have replaced social programs as if that's going to save people. I believe in loving the world. We're going to give them food. We're going to bless them. But did you notice we pray for people? You notice we take names. Do you notice we do everything we can to reach them? We want them to see Jesus when they drive up out there. So I believe in, 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 in blessing the world. But if we actually think that's what it's going to take, no. It's going to take the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the court of the Gentiles. We've been taking shortcuts for worship instead of paying the price. 
making people comfortable and entertained, making promises we can't fulfill. I can talk to you all day. God's going to heal. God's going to do that. God's going to do that. But you know what? If he doesn't do it, stone me. (laughs) False prophet. Well, that's Old Testament. You're not allowed to do that in in the New Testament. (laughs) But are you hearing me? How many know preachers are making promises? Just empty leaves. Empty leaves. This is, can I stretch your thinking a little bit? You know, I, I, I know the immigrant problem is illegal and, and they, you know, we need to do something about it and all that stuff or whatever you think about it. But, you know, and God, God didn't cause all this stuff. But how many know God uses things? And one man said this, what if since, since we're not going to the world anymore, maybe God said, okay, how about this? We're going to open your gates and allow 50 million immigrants they come into the country, and a lot of them are single men, heads of households. Lord, they didn't like that at all. They didn't like God will mess with you. You don't go to them. I'll open your gates, and I'll just let them all come in. And you start winning them, and they are being one to the Lord. Some are going back, and that's fine, and then they go back saved. I don't know if you like that or not. I don't care. I really don't care. We cannot wrap our mission around people's needs. We've got to wrap it around the presence of God. I believe in meeting needs when we can, but that's not the key. The key is the first thing, the priority is the presence. If people are only coming for their needs to be met, they'll leave when their needs are met. But if they come for the presence of God, they'll stay. Because of the presence of God. This church must be about the presence. We have got to find a way to figure out what Jesus meant when he said, house of prayer. And it's not just individuals praying, it's corporate prayer. How many notice prayer meetings are increasing? More people are coming. I think Sunday night was, my God... You know, I had to be out of town, but there, there were like, what, 40 people here Sunday night just, just coming to praise the Lord. And we'll, we'll keep doing that every Sunday night, but eventually that'll probably happen. How many believe we're restoring the tabernacle of David? One of these days we're going to see 24-7. Thank God for those 15 hands. But we're talking corporate prayer because that's what Jesus now, i got to hurry up. That's what Jesus goes into now. That's, that's what he goes into this. Um, um, uh, so we, we've got to stop the, stop the worship parade. Remember, David had a worship parade. God put an end to that because they weren't doing it the right way. Come on. We talk, I don't have time for this, but remember we talked about Zadok and the priests? And he said, some of you priests, all you did, all you did was cater to the people, and you, you didn't care about the presence of God. He said, all right, from now on, you could still be a priest. You could still be a priest, but you just got to do that stuff. 
but my real priest will minister before me in my presence. How many want to be one of the Zadok priests? Ezekiel 44, go home and read it. Phase 5, here it is, real quick. It's the only teaching in the book of Mark on prayer. It's got to be important. Mark 11, verse 20. I'll be quick. Mark 11, verse 20. Now in the morning, as they passed by the fig tree, dried up from the roots, Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. He uses that opportunity. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Wow. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Now, that's all he's got to say about prayer. But it's pretty important what he said. He says, what, first of all, three things. Whatever you ask... If you believe, he's saying this is, he's saying it will work if you believe it. As point number one, the house of prayer, its purpose is to bring in the miraculous. He said, speak to a mountain, be removed, and it'll be cast into the sea. Let me say it another way. Speak to a dead fig tree and say, die, be removed, and it'll be removed. Yeah. If you believe. I mean, you know, there are some things that need to be removed. There might be things in your life need to be removed. It's time to speak to it. He said, speak to the mountain. By the way, it's, it's just a weird thing to say. Why would you even want to do that? Why would you want to pick up a mountain and throw it into the sea? It could cause tidal waves. House of prayer works if you believe it. What he's really saying is, I'm expecting miracles. I expect you to speak to dead things. And get them out of your life. And I'm expecting you to speak to things that can come back to life. I'm expecting you to speak to things that can be moved if you believe. See, all this ties together. We're almost done. So a house of prayer works if you believe. And number three, the house of prayer works only when there's unity. Some of your prayers are being hindered because your brother and sister aren't living right. Oh, yeah. Now, don't be casting them into the sea. I don't know. I'm not saying that. But how many think maybe we're held back sometimes because of other people's doubt? Somewhat. Come on now, church. 
Come on now. That, hey, that's why things are going to break out on Thursday night before Sunday morning. It's a whole different, okay. <laughs> Most people coming on Thursday night are mature in the Lord, great people of faith, and they're there, and they're believing God for great things. On Sunday morning, there's two or three holding us back. Okay, I... He's saying if, you, if you're holding grudges and you're not forgiving and, and you're, you've got problems with people, you're holding back the church, not just your own life. I told you it's going to get rough. We have got to have this unity that comes together. And so let, let, me, let me kind of close with this. Th this whole woke thing is changing us into Babylon. You know that, right? Society's changing. And they're, they're the ones that are woke. But it's the church that needs to awake. Businesses are going woke to increase profits or to avoid a tax. And God is not pleased. I'm going to prophesy this, that change is coming. I believe these companies like Facebook and Twitter and Disney and media, sports, Hollywood, news media, they're about to have a wake-up call. The church, because they're causing the church to wake up. We're realizing we're living in Babylon and we're starting to pray. Come on, church. They've overstepped. They're bringing deadness to this world. They've crossed a line. And if we'll become the house of prayer, curse the fig tree, as it were. I'm kind of hesitant about this cursing thing, but some things need to stop. And we need to pray, God, turn these situations for the glory of God. Oh, come on. Let's praise him if you hear what I'm saying. <laughs> that's, that's the businesses. But these extreme groups, the abortionists, the LGBTQIA, <laughs> you know, first they took over the whole rainbow. Now they, go, now they want all the alphabet. They've crossed the line. They want to abort babies right up to the moment of birth. You say, well, I guess that's it. It can't get worse than that. The Lord brought it to my attention. You got a minute? The Lord brought it to my attention, I think it was last week. This, some, I didn't read the whole story, excuse me, if I get it wrong, but there was a, a woman in Cleveland that had given birth to a baby, is that right, and buried it. Oh, was it 30 years ago? Okay, but she buried the baby and they found it. Listen, I don't know that they'll ever legalize killing babies five minutes later. I mean, how crazy it to birth a baby, and, but isn't it just as crazy to kill the baby five minutes before it's born? I don't know that they'll ever legalize that. Of course, I couldn't imagine doing what they do now. But even if they don't legalize it, 
They're creating a mindset that says life's not that important. And I think people are going to say they're going to birth babies and they're going to be like this woman and they're going to say, I can't deal with this. If I had aborted it an hour before, it would have been legal. So I'm just, I'm just going to take it all back and bury it. How many know that mindset? And if you don't connect to that, just remember that old people are next. Disabled people are next. Hello, Nazi Germany. And these are, okay. Having to talk, having, we, now we're expected to send our three, four, and five-year-olds to school and let the, let the school system give them the talk. Do y'all remember when you got the talk? I never got the talk. I got the locker room talk. But I got a talk, right? But back then, you didn't get the talk till what, 11, 12? Nowadays, they're 8, 9, and they're learning it from Internet. They're learning it from the TV. Please be careful when you give your child a smartphone. Please think that through. The earlier you do it, the more more damage you're going to do to your child. You don't like it? Tough. I said it. Now they want, and how many know that's a difficult talk? But now you're supposed to let someone else give your four-year-old that talk? I mean, how many know it it was hard enough to talk about the birds and the bees? But now you got to talk about the bees and the bees. And the bees that want to be birds. <laughs> to a four-year-old. And keep an open ear because they might be one of those bees that want to be a bird. And if, they, if that thought enters their head, you make sure to let them be a bird. We got to get back to basics. Start preaching the word of God. You know I have no no interest in being political about anything, but these are moral issues that the church must preach against. I don't care if it's left, right, middle, outer space. We must preach against sin. This is wrong. This is sin. I came across these stats that in 100 A.D., they estimate the church had 20,000. 100 had 20,000 believers. By 130 A.D., they had 40,000 believers. By 180 A.D., they estimated they had 100,000 believers. By 250 A.D., they had 1 million. And by 310, just 60 years later, they jumped to 29 million believers when the population of Rome was estimated at 39 million. They had taken over an empire. We can't even win nominal Christians (laughs) 
to the deeper things of God, much less when it's time we get back to the power of the Holy Spirit. It's time we stop the parade and start carrying the presence of God. This is a house of prayer. And we must learn to pray together and pray often and pray every day and find out what it means to be a house of prayer. No more parades. Hallelujah. If we have to shut it all down, we are going to be a house of prayer.